Axis and Targets in Stenosis Central Canal in 1948 symptoms were noted in patients in walking but not during cycling by Gelderin. The symptoms were thought to be due to hypertrophic ligamentum flavum in postural extension causing pressure on dural sac. Wolpiest, 1976, named it intermittent neurogenic claudication caused by compression of the lumbar dural sac and cauda equina in extension in central canal. He described operative findings of small AP bony diameter of the lumbar spinal canal. In these patients, the AP pedicles are short, but the interpedicular distance is not markedly reduced. An important factor in compression of the lumbar dural sac was encroachment upon the spinal canal by hypertrophic articular processes. Posterolateral Term stenosis is developmental shallowness of the spinal canal as described by Verbiest. In an attempt at staging central stenosis, it is bony AP canal diameter less than 10 mm, absolute stenosis, idiopathic developmental nature, produces symptoms of coda equina compression. It is relative stenosis diameter measured 10, 12 mm, symptoms by a combination of developmentally shallow spinal canal with small disc protrusions or vertebral osteophytes. These are asymptomatic in a normal canal. Absolute and relative developmental stenosis, as defined by Verbiest, are rare conditions. This study brought change in our thinking about claudication, but is now irrelevant with advent of sectional and three-plane imaging and better pathophysiological understanding. The posterolateral buildup closer to upper foramen is significant cause of symptoms. Dimensions of the spinal canal are not the only factors determining the occurrence of dural or neural compression. Spinal dimensions in patients with narrowing of the spinal canal are reduced most severely not at the bony pedicular laminar level where Verbiest performed his measurements, but at the ligamentous and disc level. Bony canal measures may be normal, but dural sac dimensions may be small too. Even in case of severe bony narrowing, the site of maximal compression of the dural sac is never at the bony pedicular level but at the ligamentous disc level where the AP diameter of the dural sac is reduced to an average of 7 mm, spread 5, 11 mm, in patients with neurogenic claudication. Hypertrophy of the facet joint capsule and ligamentum flavum reduce the sagittal diameter and also the transverse dimensions of the spinal canal. In developmental stenosis, clinical symptoms do not occur during childhood or early adulthood. It is at a later age that the degenerative process superimposes an additional and different type of narrowing of the spinal canal to a developmentally shallow bony canal with a normal interpedicular dimension as described above is then added a further progressive transverse narrowing of the bony canal due to degenerative hypertrophy of the facets with gradual reduction of the interfacet distance and encroachment upon the upper and lower lateral regions of the spinal canal. Degenerative hypertrophy of the facets and margins without pre-existent developmental stenosis reduces transverse diameter of spinal canal between the facets making it T-shaped or trefoil configuration. Upon these facet changes, ligament flavum changes are additionally 
and progressively superimpose. Changes in disc, facet and ligamentum flavum thus at sagittal, transverse and oblique factors. In 1977, Sotland et al. reported reduction in dural AP diameter in extension amounted to about 9% in normal individuals, but with severe stenosis, it was about 67%. The absolute degree of encroachment is the same in both groups, but when the spinal canal is already narrowed, its effects are enhanced. Penning, 1992, reported that severe grades of stenosis even the slightest extension motion or the smallest increase in axial loading may lead to compression of nervous elements. Greater the degree of developmental stenosis, the less is the additional pathology which is needed to produce compression of the coda, equina or of individual nerve roots. Myelographic blocks seen in one study at L3, 438%, L4, 534%. L5-S15% sum in multiple levels and narrowing of the spinal canal limited to L5-S1 is exceedingly rare. The bony AP diameter of the spinal canal at S1 is same as at the higher levels, but the transverse interfacet distances are greater. Hypertrophy of the S1 facets can cause lateral recessus stenosis for traversing S1 roots at the entrance to the sacral canal. In upper foramen, it is more to do with disc margin and lateral ligamentum, and in lower, it is likely to be due to facet margin changes as cause of symptoms. LC foraminal upper zone narrowing, the foramen is bordered by bony elements belonging to two adjacent vertebrae, the posterior vertebral body, lower pedicular border, and inferior articular process of the upper vertebra and the upper pedicular border and superior articular process of the lower vertebra. In addition, the posterior surface of the intervertebral disc, flavor ligaments and facet joint capsules border the lower half of the foramen. Narrowing of the foramen can occur due to osteophyte at vertebral body margins. The alignment of vertebral bodies changes and this can result in significant deformation and narrowing of the foramen especially when the disc is disrupted and soft tissue hypertrophy amalgamates to form G knot between SAP tip and end plate margin. LC narrowing of the lower zone lateral recess. In the lower lumbar region, the presence of the lateral recess limits the leeway for the nerve root to move posteriorly. Lateral recess actually comprises three parts, ligamentous, bony and buffer. Ligamentous lateral recess which is bordered anteriorly by the annulus fibrosus of the intervertebral disc, dorsolaterally by facet joint capsule, and the ligamentum. In case of hypertrophy of the facets and their covering ligaments, combined with bulging of the posterior disc surface, the lower half of the foramen is frequently occlude posterior displacement of the disc compresses traversing nerve root in this region. When the superior articular processes are hypertrophic soft tissue buttresses are formed behind the nerve roots. They prevent all backward movement of the nerve root. Herniation or bulging immediately leads to compression of the root. If severe, posture-dependent bulging of an intact annulus fibrosus is sufficient to produce nerve root compression in the lateral recess in upright lordotic posture, standing, 
walking fig 4.17 bc comparison of myelography ct and mri myelography in lateral recess stenosis is presented in fig 4.18 this may be cause of increased symptoms on extension in standing vis a vis central canal it is the inner wall of the facets that start compressing dural sac from sides as a pincer in central canal when we deal with a portion of the root that is fixed to bony wall at above to locations and otherwise free along its total length between localized stretching and compression because of the facet pincer gives central subarticular paraarticular stenosis sublaminar stenosis is common only when we deal with prestenosis with added anterior disc degenerative changes we need a better algorithm for this root cause analysis in central and lateral stenosis clinically dot all these years above actionable information was processed with only posterior decompression in mind we need to restructure this with changing solutions like transforaminal surgery now available summary lumbar spine functional unit is to bony vertebral rings with a soft tissue lined middle ring in between enclosing intrathecal cauda equina in lumbar spinal canal The bony rings do not change by age but middle ring changes at borders with bony rings due to disc margins facet margins and the ligamentum flavum changes X3 rings Inside these rings spinal canal is one central to lateral central one sublaminar to subarticular central canal contents tecal sac changes anterior disc margins posterolateral facet margin changes asterisk and ligamentum flavum changes cause central canal stenosis our target is changes occurring over posterolateral walls of central canal x canal walls as seen from behind and front lateral canal 1 foraminal u and m to lateral recess lateral canal contents upper ring exiting root middle ring G tissue knot, lower ring traversing root at entry to and inside lateral recess. Location of exiting and traversing roots is anatomically fixed, so our primary target points for lateral stenosis are likely to be fixed. X fixed locations, changes that occur around neurovascular structures can generate symptoms of claudication by compression. We are able to address the symptom generating areas by transforaminal middle ring access through foramen without cutting bone. After landing in foramen, we can extend our reach towards changes in canal in upper and lower bony rings. This ISTHE core philosophy of transforaminal access and surgery of lumbar degenerative stenosis in a stable spine. X trisula In case of instability additional stabilization may be needed open surgery destroying major part of bony rings for access alone and additionally for decompression is not biomechanically correct solution and adding stabilization for iatrogenic instability is avoidable in transforaminal access there are doubts raised about ability of transforaminal access to reach and effectively treat central canal stenosis or lateral recess changes studies of degenerative stenosis revealed 
that in normal bony dimension tunnels too, symptoms arise after changes occur in canal walls near root canal entry and exit and in relation to intrathecal cauda in central canal. There is an unchanging bony ring above and below disc level and changes in soft tissue mainly occur at disc level. When changes progress 1. At subthreshold, they cause symptoms with dynamic changes in canal walls with posture in relative narrow canals and 2. When changes cross beyond threshold, they may even cause symptoms on their own on standing and walking as they affect fixed areas WRT roots. Commonly in that stage, severe limitation of extension may be seen. Now that we have understood the changed structures anatomically and physiologically, let us concentrate on their location and analyze images and understand the targeting better. Part to be targets. Imaging assessment to identify and confirm IMP changes, MRI brings a lot more in discussion with patients in shared decision-making but ONLY few things are relevant and important. MRI helps in identifying changes at disc margins, facet margins and ligamentum flavum that may cause symptoms. Clinical examination and physiological studies, such as image-guided injections and electrodiagnostics are used to confirm contribution and significance of structural pathology. Questions Central canal Traditional reference points become irrelevant for a foraminal axis to stenosis. What is the radiologic definition of LCS? What radiologic parameters should be measured to study central spinal stenosis? What should be the minimum canal dimensions to label the lumbar spinal canal as narrow? When is the canal dimension narrow enough to warrant surgery? Is canal or dural sac size really relevant in decision-making in symptomatic stenotic patient? How medial facet phase ligamentum causes symptoms and how to reach them? Lateral, how do we target our efforts precisely to locationally immobile entering and exiting routes with changes around causing claudication? X-rays, Volpiest was first to measure sagittal diameters of spinal canal during operation at the level of the cephalad and caudal borders of the neural arch. The interpedicular distance and AP diameter of bony canal is measured. Bony measurements alone do not reliably identify patients with spinal stenosis. Lumbar central canal stenosis can be suspected strongly on plain radiographs. The critical size of the dural sac is a more reliable measure of stenosis. The AP diameter of the spinal canal increases caudally and should be considered abnormal if less than 12 mm. Narrowing is critical if mid-sagittal diameter is under 14 mm in the plane radiograph. A sagittal diameter of 12 mm is considered as narrow, relative stenosis, and a diameter of 10 mm or less is considered a severely narrowed, absolute stenosis, according to Verbiest. This concept is less relevant to degenerative stenosis for surgical planning. Bony dimensions may help though in planning extent of foraminoplasty or channel plasty in stenosis. Instability, 
Sagittal plane translation greater than 4.5 mm or 15% of the anteroposterior diameter of the vertebral body on dynamic flexion extension x-rays is considered as instability. CT imaging studies we can define different areas on CT cross cuts suppers image upper infrapedicular supradiscal area discal image discal area and pedicular image lower infradiscal area MRI provides visualization of soft tissue structures while CT is the diagnostic modality of choice for evaluating osseous structures CT may be of more help in changes in disc and facet margins in CTs can based on anteroposterior diameter of spinal canal or on the cross sectional area of the dural sac lumbar canal stenosis can be diagnosed cross sectional area of dural sac 100 mm at the narrowest point is normal and 76 to 100 mm is moderately stenotic and 76 mm is severely stenotic measurement of the transverse area of the dural sac on contrast ct scans is most accurate method for identifying stenosis images and symptoms and images and prognosis may not match MRI sectional anatomy further changes are thinking due to three plane images on MRI MRI sensitivity may be as high as 96% for diagnosing LCS specificity might be as low as 68% compression in images does not correlate with the severity of lumbar stenosis understanding of changes causing symptoms near root canal entry exit and upper cephalad medial facet face supports lateral plane decompression by transforaminal endoscopy for stenosis the compression on mri does not predict clinical outcome after surgical treatment only severe stenosis on mri treated by decompression may predict good outcome mri gives us life like images in all three planes and helps us understand the root cause and plan targeting the symptom generators The coronal plane is not frequently used in spinal sectional imaging. The reason is distortion of the anatomy which occurs when the plane of imaging is not exactly coronal with respect to the vertebrae and the disc and which may mimic the presence of pathology. In addition, the lordotic curvature of the lumbar spine makes it possible to capture only a small segment of coronal anatomy in a single flat slice unless a curved reformatting technique is employed coronal images may help in understanding posterolateral build up of ligamentum flavum in central stenosis oblique spinal images are produced using specialized techniques are not sectional images but reconstructed 3d projections of the dural sac central canal the midsagittal cut shows the dural sac in central canal and retrodural fat pads the dural sac usually begins to narrow down from l4 5 disc level and sac moves dorsally coming to lie against the posterior wall of the spinal canal at entry to sacral canal ventral epidural space is now created occupied by epidural fat and the rich venous plexus the dorsal root ganglion can be seen within the foramen usually accompanied by one or two foraminal veins and well delineated by foraminal fat in a study 
patients of age 50 to 85 years, relief of neurogenic claudication symptoms by flexion of the lumbar spine, walking distance less than 250 m, duration of symptoms 6 months, and T2-weighted MRI images showing central canal stenosis measured by cross-sectional area of dural sac in 1 or 2 levels from L2 to L5 on axial images. Classification of the degree of spinal canal compromise is based on the cerebrospinal fluid versus rootlet ratio as seen on axial T2-weighted images. Skizars et al. introduced a new system based on morphology of central canal on T2-weighted axial MRI images. A morphological grade of central stenosis from A to D is determined based on the space available for rootlets in cerebrospinal fluid in the dural sac and the presence of epidural fat. This may help us in planning what non-operative care can be suggested knowing fully well that it is fairly ineffective. Patients with not mild grades stenosis are more likely to fail conservative treatment. This morphological grading system technically is not validated for clinicians. A compromise of less than one-third of the canal at the evaluated section is classified as mild, between one and two-thirds as moderate, and greater than two-thirds as severe. The stenotic changes are naturally progressive, and a short-term relief where inflammation may be part of the mechanism of symptoms may be possible. HRE, we must know the status of the bladder and bowel function and sacral roots. USG helps as a non-invasive bedside way to assess PVR post-void residue and judge neurogenic bladder affection. In my clinical experience, PVR of 60 ml in females and 100 ml in males without prostate cause is important indicator of reduced coda equina-related detrusive function. In multilevel stenosing changes one level, with root crowding may be symptomatic. Here again we need to understand that for a practical pre-surgical planning finding of roots crowding is basic. It does not help as that is not our target for surgery. Target in central canal stenosis is the walls in upper medial face of facets near axilla. Stenosing compressive processes in the lumbar spinal canal lead to secondary changes such as impaired capillary blood flow, venous stasis and edema, which can be demonstrated by MRI, on PS sequences, PS 510, after bolus injection of GDDTPA. Literature suggests minimum standard, Five core criteria describing lumbar spinal stenosis. The accepted five criteria for LCS, first third may indicate causes and other second may indicate severity. One disc protrusion, including loss of concavity of disc posterior annulus. Two hypertrophic degeneration in facet joint with change in its ventral profile. Three hypertrophy of the ligamentum flavin and changes in central and lateral canal. 4. Lack of perineural or intraframinal fat indicating chronicity of the changes. 5. Absent fluid around the coda equina as mentioned before indicating severity of concentric narrowing. Perineural intraframinal fat, serpine and or redundant nerve roots, epidural lipomatosis. Quantitative criteria. 
anteroposterior diameter of bony spinal canal, transverse diameter of bony spinal canal, midsagittal diameter of dural sac, prosectional area of dural sac, prosectional area of dural sac, stenosis ratio, foramen lateral recess height, lateral recess angle, prosectional area of contrast material column ligamentous interface distance. These two cover comprehensively all likely changes in relation to stenosis, but for pre-surgical understanding and planning they may distract us from our focus on symptom generators, root-fixed areas, changes in canal walls, changes mainly in discal level canal in disc margins, facet margins, and ligamentum flavin. Lateral canal, sagittal cuts make us more aware of upper foraminal roof structures and effect in stenosis. The sagittal imaging plane is less useful than the transverse plane for studying the lateral recess of the spinal canal because of partial volume averaging with the adjacent pedicle. But the emerging root or root sleeve can sometimes be seen traversing this region. Entire focus of assessing images is to understand changes along DRG location, axilla, and root path of commonest involved L5 and S1 roots. In patients with multilevel narrowing processes and atypical symptoms, hemodynamic MRI studies may be an important diagnostic tool for finding the symptomatic level. DTI as a non-invasive technique for the mapping of diffusion processes in lumbar nerves for the assessment of symptomatic patients with lumbar nerve root entrapment syndromes. If the myelogram, discogram, and CTs can do not reveal any defect, but L5 clinical signs, then possibility of extraframinal compression in extended root canal of L5 must be considered as a possible source as described before. Insert upper foramen oblique MRI images reference to axilla, DRG, exiting and traversing root location and changes around adds to our understanding too. Insert 3D MRI fusion images. Focus on upper foramen. Coronal oblique MRI imaging. Focus on LF. It is not possible to enhance LF with contrast media in images. Ligamentum flavum may cause more of narrowing of the lumbar spinal canal than the disc in spines axially loaded to simulate sitting or upright standing. The bulging ligament may represent 50 to 85% of the reduction in size of the spinal canal. LF thickness correlates with age, disc space height, angulation, and facet joint osteoarthritis. Hypertrophy is associated with segmental instability and severe disc degeneration, severe facet joints osteoarthritis, and sagittal facet joint orientation. Focus on facets and effusion, micro-instability. Dynamic studies augment the detection of neural impingement. Dedicated upright MRI system may improve the ability of demonstrating concordant radicular pain. Modic type 3 lesions, hypo-intense both in T1 and T2-weighted sequences, are thought to correlate with subchondral bone sclerosis and foraminal stenosis. Modic 3 changes, vacuum phenomenon and spurs etc. indicate a segmental instability or autostabilized segment. Images for MRI and how to read an MRI to be added. Our thinking on MRI 
that is relevant to TO3Z3W3C concept. We study MRI images in three planes. For understanding and refining our three-zone, three-wall concept, we feel sagittal images help in mainly appreciating upper foraminal, lateral canal, stenosis affecting exiting root. This is lower part of the hidden zone. We can see hypertrophied tissue on SAP, overriding of SAP, location of nerve root, etc. Sagittal images also show us traversing roots when they are intrathecal, sloping from roof, dorsal, one segment above to root canal ventral plane entry in lower zone segment below. Real ligamentum flavum buildup WRT central canal can be better appreciated in coronal images focused on affected segment. This shows the posterolateral buildup that is amenable to transforaminal middle zone entry and excision. The lateral recess, lower lateral canal, is better appreciated in axial cuts as this shows the lie of the root at entry on ventral wall in soft tissue lateral recess and further cores in root canal. It also shows real relation of roof, lytic areas in pars to the traveling root. It will also highlight relation of lower pole of IAP to the traveling root. At lower pole we may note IAP is always dorsal to SAP unless facet edge or joint is very sagittally oriented. Thus our thinking has further evolved and we find transforaminal landing in middle zone most suitable to tackle lumbar canal stenosis.